We all have bad weeks. We all face difficulties. Maybe you've come today and you're particularly facing difficult times. Maybe you don't know much about God, but you know things are a mess in your life. Or maybe you're upbeat today. Things are going really well for you. Whatever the case, you all know that we all go through downtimes. What do you do when things are hard and you don't know how to get through it? One of the first things you should do is pray. Prayer is our most powerful weapon. This is what I want to talk about today. Whether you're a teenager, single, married, divorced, widowed, you all should pray more. Luke has been recording one marvelous conversion after another. 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ on the day of Pentecost. The Samaritans, the Ethiopian eunuch, Saul of Tarsus, we'll look at his conversion next week. The Gentile centurion Cornelius and a large crowd in Antioch gave their lives to Christ. In concentric circles, Luke is telling us the gospel of Jesus Christ is growing, it's spreading. Luke is about to tell us about the Apostle Paul's first missionary journey to the Gentiles. But first, he has to chronicle a serious setback. The death of James, killed by the sword and the imprisonment of Peter. Both of them are apostles. They're leaders in the church. This is a serious speed bump for the church. So turn, if you brought your Bible, to Acts chapter 12. If you want to use ours under the seats, it's on page 1,104. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. His grandfather, Herod the Great, who was in power when Jesus was born, was hated by the Jews. His father, Herod Antipas, was also despised by the Jews. So Herod Agrippa wanted to ingratiate himself to the Jews. So he did some kind things for them. For example, he stopped Claudius from building a statue in his honor to put in Jerusalem. That would have made the Jews go ballistic. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So it pleased the Jews that he put James to death, And so he arrested Peter and intended to put him to death as well. Uh, Just before James' uh, death, uh, Jesus uh, said to James and John, brothers, are you willing to suffer like I'm going to suffer? James was the first one to be martyred. Uh, The Jews were so pleased by this that he arrested Peter. After arresting him, 
He put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers. That's a lot. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. It was just a formality. He was going to put him to death. It was going to be a sham trial. The situation looked hopeless for the church. They had no power to get Peter out of prison. What could the community of Jesus do in its powerlessness against the armed might of Rome? What did the church do? They prayed, which is the only power which the powerless possess. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. Now, Luke takes a particular interest in angels. This is the 15th mention of angels. In the book of Luke, and now this first half of Acts, where God has sent an angel to intervene, appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was having a dream. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When the angel left him, then he knew for sure that this had been God sending an angel to rescue him. Uh, this is the message Luke wants us to get. When we pray... God intervenes. Somebody told me after the first service that they believe that God only intervenes when we pray. God could intervene in the world, in your life, but he insists that you ask. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, John Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back. She didn't open the door. She just ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. It's ironic that the people who are praying for God to get Peter out of prison call the girl mad who informs them that he's answered their prayer. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat its stories. 
You know, we tend to make the early believers larger than life. We think they never doubted. But it turns out they doubted as much as we do. They prayed but didn't really assume God was going to answer their prayers. You don't have to have unwavering faith to pray. You just need enough faith to pray. The early church didn't have influence to get Peter out of prison, but they had power through prayer. Aren't we a lot like them? We pray, never dreaming that God will actually answer our prayer. We pray for someone to be healed, not really believing that God will. You pray for someone to walk into your life to marry, not really believing that God will bring someone. You pray for God to give you a baby, not seriously believing that God will. You pray for God to turn around our country, but you think it's kind of hopeless. Meanwhile, Peter kept knocking. Guys, come on, open up. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, this is not the James, this is not the James, the brother of Jesus who was killed, but James, the half-brother of Jesus. Clearly, James has now been uh, seen as the leader of the church. Peter's the emotional leader, the preaching leader of the church. James is the organizational leader. And other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place, presumably a safe hiding place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers of what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Now, these guards were doing their job. They were guarding Peter. God sent an angel to deliver him. There was nothing they could do. But they were executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Herod wanted to get out of Jerusalem. Peter had gotten out of prison. He had put to death four soldiers, maybe more. It was a bad day. So he went to his summer palace on the Mediterranean. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Josephus, the historian, comments on this account. He tells us that Herod was wearing an all-silver uh, uh, robe, and so in the morning sun it glistened so brightly that the people thought he was a god. Josephus adds, because the king did not reject their flattery, God put him to death. So Luke and Josephus agree that Herod was put to death because he took praise for himself that belonged only to God. But the word of God 
continued to spread and flourish. What a turn of events for the church. The chapter opens with James dead, Peter in prison, and Herod triumphing. It ends with Herod dead, Peter free, and the Word of God flourishing. Such is the power of God to overthrow hostile forces and establish in their place his own plans. Tyrants may be permitted to boast and bluster for a time, oppressing God's people, hindering the spread of the Word of God, but in the end, God has the final say. What made the difference in this case? Prayer. Prayer is our most powerful weapon. Wouldn't you love to experience power in prayer like the early believers? When the early church leaders heard about Peter and John being put in prison and being told they could no longer speak about the resurrection, we read, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And then after they prayed, we read, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When Peter was put in prison again, we read, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Don't you want to at least try praying like this? Doesn't typical church seem boring in comparison? How can we read about the early church, how they prayed, and then settle for anything less? I believe there's something deep in you that would like to experience praying like this with another believer and seeing God's supernatural power. How can we leave today and go back to our old prayers? God, help us. Bless me. Be with us. Bless this food. What does earnest prayer with other believers do? Three things. One, it invites God's power. They pray for God to deal with the Roman leaders, the Jewish religious leaders' threats, and for confidence to speak boldly. Then we read that the building where they prayed shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. They prayed for Peter to be released from prison and not face death like James. And God sent an angel, and Peter was released from prison. We can experience supernatural power in answer to our prayers. I shared this story with you not long ago, but it seems appropriate for today. It was a phone call I didn't want to make. Jory and I had five boys, and we wanted a girl. I told Jory, I says, I don't think we make girls. We're going to have to adopt. And so I was invited to preach in Romania to the underground church, and Jory went with me as I went to these four cities she wandered through orphanages, and she found a beautiful little girl named Andrea, two months old, in orphanage number one in Bucharest. 
Now, Romanian law requires that in order to do adoption, you had to, both parents had to see the, the baby in country. Well, I didn't have time to see her. I just had time to, to, after I left the fourth city to meet Jory at the airport, and we jumped on the plane. So two months later, when the paperwork was finished, I went back alone to see Drea, finish the adoption, and bring her home. Uh, the court date was set in Bucharest. I flew the birth mother, 17-year-old birth mother, down uh, to Bucharest. She was with me for a day prior to uh, the court hearing, and she said, can I go with you to the orphanage? I said, okay. It was a mistake. We spent the day at the orphanage and then collecting paperwork around the city and doing all our medical tests, and she held Drea much of the day, and I just saw her falling in love with the baby that she hadn't hugged and since the day she gave birth to her. I said, she's going to change her mind. And sure enough, the next morning, she had left. She ran away. She had changed her mind. And I had to call Jory. I said, Jory, I blew it. Jory didn't seem so shaken. She says, don't worry. The boys and I will pray. So Jory, Tad, our oldest, David and Luke, spent a day fasting and praying. Tad told me later he nearly died on that day of fasting. Twelve-year-old fasting is a big deal. With their prayer support, things began to change. The depression that I felt lifted. Uh, we were able to find the birth mom again, and we went to Yash in northern Romania where she lived and brought her back down to Bucharest. She agreed that it was in her best interest and the babies to go through with the adoption. And so we set a new court date. We signed, and I brought Drea home. What made the difference? Prayer. Jesus tells us there's extra power when believers pray together. So in Matthew 18, he says, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree... So in other words, you're praying and you agree that this is in God's will about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Two people praying together wields more power. Why did the early believers' prayers wield so much power? We read, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. But it wasn't just any kind of prayer. They began with praise. If you look at their prayer in Acts chapter 4, most of the prayer is praise. When we pray, we tend to just get right into it. God, I need this. Give us that. But in the prayers in the Bible, they begin with praise. And so we read, they said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They're, they're saying, God, you're greater than Herod. You're greater than Pilate. You're greater than the Jewish religious leaders. There's more power when we begin our prayers in praise and we pray with other believers. So take an inventory of your life. 
Are you praising God? Or do you just get right to the requests? Do you pray with other believers? If you're married, are you praising God and praying with your spouse? If you have children, are you praising God and praying with your child? If you have a Christian friend, are you praising God and praying with that person? Are you in a growth group? Do you actually spend time in your growth group praising God and praying? You'll have a new chance to join a growth group the week of January 16th. Prayer invites God's power. Second, what does prayer do? Prayer delivers people. They prayed and God delivered Peter from prison. Maybe you have a friend who's addicted to drugs or alcohol and you feel like there's nothing you can do. You can pray. Maybe you have a son or daughter who's drifting away from God and nothing you say seems to help. You can pray. Maybe you feel like your marriage is on life support. And every time you try to talk about it, you end up in a fight. Pray. Pray for yourself. You can't change your mate. But you can pray for your attitudes to change, your actions to change. Prayer delivers people. And three, what happens when we pray? Prayer turns around dire circumstances. Things look bleak for the early church. James had been killed by the sword. Peter was in prison. Herod was feeling all-powerful. Then the people prayed. Peter was set free. Herod was struck down. And the church continued to flourish. Prayer turns around difficult circumstances. Maybe you're sick. You don't know what's wrong. Doctors haven't found a diagnosis. You're frustrated. You don't know how long you're going to live. Pray. Maybe you're having trouble finding a job or a better job. Maybe you're worried about our country. Pray. God can turn around dire circumstances. He is in control. Prayer is our most powerful weapon. The most amazing thing about prayer is through prayer you can begin a relationship with God. You can tell God today, I believe in you, that you exist. I believe Jesus is your son. I believed you raised him from the dead. And I want you to come into my life and forgive my sin. Maybe you're not even sure God exists. You can pray. God, I don't know if you exist, so certainly I don't know if you can hear this prayer. But if you do, and if you show me that Jesus is your son, I promise you, I will put my faith in him. And follow him as my Lord. Lord God, thank you for this chapter in the book of Acts that shows us how the church was in trouble and the people prayed. And you supernaturally intervened. And Lord, we want to commit ourselves to doing that today. I want to invite you to pray right now. Why don't you tell God that you want to pray more? You want to recognize that prayer is your most powerful weapon and you'll pray, you know, set aside times to pray each day. You'll pray as you go through your day when you face a situation. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, you can tell him right now, 
and ask him to come into your life. So you pray. God, thank you that you are all-powerful and that you love us and that you invite us to talk to you. The Almighty God invites us to talk to him. And when we do and when we make our request to you, you do respond on our behalf. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.